Okay, good morning, brothers and sisters. Well, <laughs> it's lockdown, man. And although I'm, I'm so thankful, even though we are on lockdown that we can still do this, I'm on your TV right now or on your device, and I'm so thankful I still have people I can talk to here, which is a great blessing. It's, there's nothing, for me, I find it really difficult to actually speak to a camera by itself, so I'm, I'm very thankful that you guys are here, and thank you very much for Pam and Chris and Cass and the AV team for attending. It's a great blessing that you're here with me today. And for all you guys at home, it's a great blessing to be able to share with you today the Word of God. So I, I reckon we'll probably only go two weeks. I'm like, yeah, you heard it here first. I reckon only go two weeks. That's because we've got a better idea and with vaccines and stuff that are going on. So I'm very thankful for that. And I'm very thankful for the way things are being handled. I would encourage you to please contact other people within the church. I would encourage you, as Cash shared, there may be some people that are anxious, uh, some people that might be a bit discouraged. Uh, there may be people in the community that you can actually reach out to and help out in some small way. Uh, I do know that we have resources and stuff here. So if you guys need anything, please, if you've got my number, contact me if there's anything we can help you guys with, um, whether it might be groceries, you need us to go out and get groceries for you, whether it be toilet paper, which at my local, local supermarket, it disappeared just like that. First day, gone. It's like, dude, come on. Like, yeah, so that's been pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, they're just bear that in mind that you can actually reach out and you can benefit and bless people because we are, as the church, to be a light to the world. We are to be a city on a hill in which we can show the love of Jesus to those around us. Now, we've been doing this series on the core values, and I hope that you've been gleaning some truths, at least something regarding your Christian life, uh, regarding your conduct, regarding our calling or our DNA as a church, I would encourage you not to look at it as a subject to be studied because one of the dangers of looking at something like core values, uh, one of the dangers of, of studying the Word of God and looking at various informational aspects that are found within, various topics that are found within, we can gain information for information's sake. Uh, we lose sight of the whole relational aspect that we are privileged with as we get into the Word of God. We can start viewing the Lord's work, the Lord's Word, and the, the, way, the, the ways of the Lord as a subject to be studied rather than seeing it as something that develops our character, rather than seeing something that deepens our relationship with Him. Please, please make a point of being challenged personally. We know a personal God who knows us personally. And so let's view these messages and the core values not as information to be gained, uh, not as a list of instructions of do's and don'ts, but more importantly, as something to develop our relationship with the Lord Jesus. So with that in mind, we're going to look at our fifth core value we have here at Grace Christian Church, and that is ministry. I'm going to read the core value to you now. It says, the church to operate as a unified community of servants, fully equipped to humbly and faithfully steward their spiritual gifts, abilities, skills, time, money, and resources for the common good. 
Thus, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Ephesians chapter 4 as we look at today ministry, our function as the church. Let's pray and we'll look at the Word of God together. Father, we thank you so much that even in this uncertain time, you are sovereign, you are in control, and you reign regardless of what takes place around us. As your word says, we are to trust you with all our hearts and not lean to our own understanding. So we trust you now with the circumstance that you will make our path straight, that we will acknowledge you and your hand in each of our lives, and that you will be glorified in this situation. Father, we pray that you might teach us now as we look into your word, and that you might speak to us, you might challenge us, you might burden our hearts to serve, not only you, but to those around us. Please speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Ephesians is a wonderful letter. It deals with so much with who we are as the children of God. Uh, We look at living from our position in Christ. We look at living in victory in Christ. We look at living in the promises that we have from Jesus that he exceeds everything that we could ask or imagine in Christ. So then when we come to Ephesians chapter 4, we are given this great exhortation to practically live out these truths that he has just been teaching in the first three chapters. Essentially, he's striking at this thought. He's striking at this theme, this basic reasoning. He says this, if this is who you are in Christ, then this is how you are to live through Christ. You look at verse 1, for example, we are told to walk worthy of the calling that we have been called to. In verse 2, we are to do that in meekness and in humility with patience and forbearance. In verse 3, we are told to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. These exhortations to be because in verses 4 to 6, it looks at our condition as a church. It says in verses 4 to 6 that we are one body, that we are one spirit, just as we are called to one hope when we were called. In verse 6, it says one God, one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now, we are participants of this condition because of the undeserved kindness, because of the, the grace of Jesus Christ, that grace that is bestowed upon us as we read in verse 7, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed. Grace according to Christ's heart, grace in line with God's desire, and grace in order for us to operate effectively as Christ's church. And then you look at the next few verses, and we look at these several verses, and there are three things that are referred to in verses 8 to 10. It's what Jesus does, the lengths Jesus goes to, and the position Jesus does it from. If you read in verse 8, it says, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Verse 9 is a little parenthesis, and it says, What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher and then all the heavens, sorry, higher than all the heavens, in order to fill the whole universe. Which brings us to today's text in verses 11 to 13 within which we are then challenged with three things in connection to our DNA, not only as a church, but as God's children. 
and that it specifically addresses our function in the church, or in other words, our ministry as a church. So read with me, starting from verse 11. So Christ gave him, sorry, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we, until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and, ha- and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. From this one text, we're going to look at three things regarding ministry, regarding our function as a church. And it begins with this. Here's the first step that benefits us in that function. First thing. A perspective change in verse 11. A perspective change. Let me explain. The first four words of verse 11 starts off with this. So Christ himself gave. So Christ himself gave. Christ himself, who as we just read, ascended higher than the heavens after he descended into the depths. Christ himself, who when he ascended, took many captive and gave gifts to his people. Christ himself, through whom we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms, according to Ephesians 1.3. By whom we are chosen before the foundation of the world to be blameless and holy in his sight, in chapter 1, verse 4. Have we been predestined to the adoption of sons in verse 5 of chapter 1? In whom we have redemption from and the forgiveness of sins in chapter 1 verse 7. Through faith in Jesus Christ who has made known to you and I the mystery of God's will in chapter 1 verse 10. How we are chosen in him, in verse 11, in order to put our hope in Christ, in chapter 1, verse 12, and included in him as we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, in chapter 1, verse 13, who is the guarantee of our inheritance to the praise of his glory. Christ himself, who took the form of a servant when he was born of a virgin, Christ himself, who laid aside his glory to grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Christ himself, who came to seek and save the lost in Luke 19.10. Christ himself, who was arrested and tortured and crucified for the sin and offenses that we committed Christ himself, who conquered death and rose again three days later and ascended to the heaven to be seated at the right hand of God the Father. Christ himself, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Christ himself, who is over all and before all and through whom all things exist, we're told in Colossians chapter 1. He is the one who invites us to participate in this thing called ministry. Christ himself invites us to be a part of what he is doing. He is the one who invites us to participate, who gives us this amazing privilege to serve. This is our perspective change. 
that we have the opportunity to serve. And that has to be changed because for many of us, our view of serving, whatever the capacity, is seen more as a burden rather than a blessing. It is seen more as a hardship rather than as a privilege. It is seen as a chore. If you want to view it pessimistically, you could say that it can be viewed as the way the church gets free labor and free resources to get things done around the place. Even for those in ministry, it may, it may have started out enthusiastically, but just over time, that enthusiasm and that excitement starts to get worn away at as you experience disappointment after disappointment or discouragement after, after discouragement. And you even may even think now, you might be thinking this now, what's the point? Why do I even bother doing this? Why do I even bother getting involved in the AV? Why do I even involve leading a Bible study? Why do I involve doing this, that, and the other? You can get very discouraged. That's because we need our perspective changed. It's a privilege that we've been granted by the creator of heaven to serve not only him, but each other. Because he himself has appointed this. He himself has given this. Even when we give the word out and say, who wants to be involved in Sunday school? Who wants to be involved in going out to do an outreach? Who wants to be involved doing this? Straight away, the response is less than ideal. And this all comes down to the misperception of what ministry is. That ministry is service. That ministry is sacrifice. That ministry is others focused. That ministry is the privilege that Christ himself has made available to us as his followers to play an active part in building his church. That's what ministry is. I remember, like as a youngster, I remember when my dad would do something and he would ask me to be a part of it. How excited I was that I'm able to be a part of this big thing. And it might be something as mowing the lawns. I remember long before mowing the lawns became a burden, that was like a big thing for me to attain. It was almost like a, a step into manhood that I get to push the lawnmower around the yard and cut the grass. That when my dad acknowledged me and said, you can mow the lawn now, son, I'm like, yeah. Now, did I do it properly? Probably not. But that's, that's, that's how I viewed it. And then over time, it became a burden, a chore that needed to be done. And that's how we view ministry. That's how we view every opportunity we have within the church to serve. Even serving others, we view it as a burden rather than a privilege and a blessing that God has graciously bestowed upon us. Think about this. He has allowed us. I want, you, I want you to hold on to that word. He has allowed us this privilege to carry his gospel, a gospel that can transform lives. He has allowed us to carry that. He has allowed us the privilege to pray to him for others. He has allowed us to do that. He has allowed us the privilege to be a listening ear, a comforting word, or a supportive shoulder for those in the church and for those outside of the church. He has allowed us the ability and the opportunity to utilize the gifts he has given us for the blessing and for the encouragement and for the building up of others to bring glory to his name. He has allowed us that we, as mere sinful, weak, frail people, can bring him glory. He has allowed us the blessing to give back to him through the privilege of service by offering that which he has already given us. It's like when I was a kid, I'd go to my mom, mom, can I have some money because I want to buy you a birthday present? That's exactly what the Lord has done for us. Let me, let me just give you a brief example. 
Turn to Exodus chapter 25, and I'm going to read to you verses 1 to 9 very quickly, okay? So they have just been delivered from Egypt. They're at the foot of Mount Sinai. The, the commands are going. This is, what, this is talking about the offerings to build the tabernacle. In verses 1 to 9, we read this. I'm reading from the CSV. Uh, the Lord spoke to Moses, tell the Israelites to take an offering for me. You are to take my offering from everyone who is willing to give. Remember that word, willing. This is the offering you are to receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, fine linen and goat hair, ram skins dyed red and fine leather, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx along with other gemstones, the mounting on the ephod and breastpiece. They are to make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. You must make it according to all that I show you, the pattern of the tabernacle as well as the pattern of all its furnishings. Now, reason why I want to read this, so it's gone out, get all the stuff from people who are willing to give this offering. Now, what happened when the Israelites left Egypt? God instructed Moses to tell the people, go and ask all the Egyptians for gold and for silver and for various things. And the Egyptians gave it willingly. God gave them favor in the Egyptians' eyes, so when they left and asked, they were just bestowed an abundance of riches. God then says to the people, everything that I have already given you, I want you to give back willingly. See, everything they're offering here is everything God had given them when he delivered them from Egypt. They had nothing of themselves to offer because they were a land of slaves. Everything here is what God had blessed them with. And God said, okay, now everyone willingly offer. This is the exact same thing that has happened for us as the people of God. He has given us an abundance of gifts, an abundance of wealth, an abundance of fellowship, the abundance of so many different things that we have the opportunity to give back to him and to glorify him in this. This is what Christ has done for us, what he has provided for. Firstly, our privilege in ministry, and secondly, that privilege to serve his people. That's why we read, for Christ himself gave. Love gives. I always tell you that. And he gave these callings, or he gave these offices for his people, for the church. And we read this in the second part of verse 11. He gave the apostles who are messengers or ambassadors, the prophets who are foretellers or they speak of God's future plans from the scriptures, the evangelists who are preachers of the gospel, the pastors who are shepherds and invest into people and care for them, and teachers who are instructors. Now, I'm not going to spend too much time, actually, I'm not going to spend any time here because I'm going to look at it a little bit later on. But the Lord himself has commissioned these offices or these people to fulfill these offices to serve for a specific purpose. So this changed perspective is for us to understand our privileged calling in verse 12. It's a privileged calling. You see, parents seek to equip their children for the realities of life. Teachers seek to equip their students by educating them. Coaches seek to equip their team or the teams that they look after by honing their skills for the game. People equip themselves with the necessary skills for their future careers. When we look at these offices the Lord has set in place for the people or the people that he's called to fulfill these offices, you'll notice that each of these positions, each of these office of these offices are positions of service for the benefit of 
others, not for oneself. It's for others. An apostle is an ambassador sent with a message for others. A prophet tells of the future plans of God from the scriptures for others. An evangelist preaches the gospel for others to know the salvation that is found in Christ. Pastors shepherd and care for others. A teacher gives instruction for others to learn. Everything about these offices is about for others. It's not about, I'm a pastor, look at me, I'm a pastor. No, it's not about me being a pastor, being, look at me, everybody. It's about me saying, I am there for you. An evangelist preaches a message for you. An apostle is for you. They said it's for others. Everything about the church is supposed to be for each other, not for ourselves. And the whole point when Paul says, um, he who desires the office of bishop desires a good thing, it's not so he could walk around and say, look at me, I'm a bishop, I'm a leader within the church. No, the reason why they desire a good thing is because when he wrote that, they were suffering persecution. So when they came in to destroy the church or to attack the church, the first people they'd look for would be a pastor, would be the leader. Why? Because they'd probably be the ones that would be killed first. That's why. It was desiring a good thing because they were willing to give their life for others. And you read in verse 12 that these people were given for others. It's, it's reaffirmed here at the second part of verse 12. To equip his people for works of service. That word itself, service, is a word that implies what? That it's done for others. And it's done so that the body of Christ may be built up. We are equipped in order to serve so that the body of Christ may be built up, might be edified. Now, there's a certain point I want to I take here, and I want you to take this on as well, that while these offices exist and while there may be official people in those positions, we are all equipped as the people of God to play a part in each of these roles, even unofficially. You don't need a title to love. You don't need a title to serve. You don't need a title to come along someone else and pray for them. You don't need a title to share the gospel. You don't need a title. You don't need an official title. That is something that we are all called to do. We are all delegates as ambassadors of Christ, whether you have the title or not. We are all proclaimers of God's future plans from the scriptures, whether you have the title or not. We are all called to do the work of an evangelist, whether you have the title or not. That we are to be in season and out, out of season as we preach the word of God. We can all play a part of shepherding and caring for others within the church, whether you have the title or not. We can all be a, play a part in teaching, of instructing, of sharing the word of God with each other, whether you have the title or not. I, I need you to understand that. Every, there was a church I went to and one of their things was every man, woman, and child a minister. Because that's biblical. Every man, whether you have the title or not, you don't need the title to show love, to show care, to show concern, to pray for someone, to come alongside someone. You don't need the title to do that. The reality is this, and I remember sharing this. If you're not doing it before you take a title, you're not going to do it once you have the title. It's as simple as that. You don't do something because you have the title. You look at Timothy, and I'm 
being distracted on a tangent here, but you look at Timothy, when Paul writes a list of what's, what to look for in a leader, Timothy didn't say to everybody, okay, this is what you would need to be if you want to be a leader. Timothy had that letter that he would have read, and he said, these are the qualities you look for somebody, look in somebody. These are the qualities that should already be present before you bestow upon them the title of deacon or of elder. That should already be there. It's not given a list to say, okay, I want to do this, 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 so I can be that. Rather, you've met this, therefore, I'm going to look at bringing you on board in this capacity. Does that make sense? Okay? It's, this, is, this is what it plays a part in. See, all of us have been gifted by God so we can minister, so we can serve each other for the common good. If you've got your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to read something very quickly here from verses 4 to 7. Once again, looking at the function of the church, we read this. Verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. We are all given the manifestation of the Spirit, whatever it might be. I mean, I look at Cass, who was the MC. I look at Cass and how she has one of these hearts that, that really genuinely does care. She's got like a maternal type of spirit. And, and I've experienced that in the sense where you know, she's always looking for everything that could go wrong, which is not a bad thing. It's not, it's not a bad thing. It's just that's the way God has gifted her. I, I look at Pam and the way God has gifted her. I look at Brad and, and how God has gifted him. I look, everybody has the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And what is that common good that we are built up to? And this is what the third point is. It is a purposeful cause. A purposeful cause in verse 13. It says this, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Unity. Until we all reach unity. The reason why we have this, this privileged calling, the reason why we have the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers is so that we can all reach unity together to be a one heart and one mind so that we all might attain to the full measure of the fullness of Christ. Unity which Jesus prayed for his disciples and for us in John 17 that we would be one even as he was one with the Father in John 17, 20 and 21. Unity to be united in the spirit in the bond of peace as I referred to in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. Unity of, of one mind, heart, soul, and destiny as one looks at the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2, you see that the Spirit came upon them and filled them when they were of one mind, when they were gathered together in one place, when they were, of, when they were unified that the birth of the church took place in Acts 2, 2. United in holiness for he who has called us is holy in 1 Peter 1, 15. United in goal as we press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus in Philippians 3. That we are united in vision and, and the blessing that focus has. Uh, I, I know I always refer to looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. A great verse is Psalm 25, 25. My eyes are ever on the Lord 
for only he will release my heart from the snare. What a great verse, united in vision. You see, the reason for the change of our perspectives in order to understand our privileged call is so that our purposeful cause might be fulfilled by God through us. That we as a church might be united in the faith. Remember, as I said, it was the church's unity in Christ that the church was added to daily in Acts 4.27. That we're united in the knowledge of Jesus. It was in the corporate knowledge, the corporate submission, and the corporate obedience to the word of God that the church was sanctified. That the people were sanctified, John 17.17. That they were equipped, 2 Timothy 3 and that they were capable of accomplishing the call that God had given them, Philippians 4.13. Through which we can then be what? United in growth, growing in grace, growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, having the eyes of our understanding enlightened to know the hope of our calling and understand the incomparable great power for us who believe. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 to 19, which is a great passage, I want to read it to you. It won't take too long. It says this, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength? And, and that knowledge will be united in the fullness of Christ. This verse states that we are to attain the whole measure of Christ's fullness. The whole measure of whom, in whom grace and truth dwell the fullness of the Godhead that is in the person of Christ in whom we are made complete Colossians chapter 2 verses 9 and 10 you see this points to the reality of ministry within us as a church family which then in turn can impact the people outside of the church family as we shine forth the love of Jesus in every aspect of our lives I know I've shared this in the past, and, and please forgive me, but the greatest evidences of, what did I say, the, one of the greatest evidences of God's existence is your love as the church toward each other. Your love for one another is one of the greatest evidences that God is real. And thus, as we refer back to our core value, as our core value states, you see these three things referred to in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We read at the beginning of it that the church is to operate as a united, or sorry, a unified community of servants. This is where our perspective needs to change. We have been blessed with the privilege to serve the Lord together. Privilege to serve each other together. Blessed to serve the lost together. It is an entitlement, not that we have earned it, but as a so it is not an entitlement that we have earned. It is a blessing that has been bestowed upon us by Christ himself. That we have, as a unified community of servants, been able to serve the community. 
which leads us to being fully equipped, as the, as the core value continues, fully equipped to humbly and faithfully steward their spiritual gifts, abilities, skills, time, money, and resources. This is our privilege calling that with everything that we've been given by God, our spiritual gifts, our abilities, our skills, our time, our money, and our resources, God has given us all of those so that we in turn can give them back to him. So that we in turn can then use those resources, that money, that time, those skills, those abilities, those spiritual gifts to serve the people that God has placed within each of our lives to serve the next door neighbor who might be alone, to serve the person at work who's going through a divorce, to serve the, the, the people in church that might feel isolated, to serve your husband or your wife or your children as you show the, the love of Jesus to them. He's given us all of these things so that we in turn can give them back to him in service. That is our privilege calling. For it is, as the core value states, for the common good. That is our purposeful cause. The common good is that which benefits all. The common good, it benefits all those in the body of Christ. In turn, as the body of Christ, as the common good is blessed, then the body of Christ can then bless those outside of the body of Christ that we in turn as a church can be beneficial to our community, that we then as a church can play a part in, in reaching out and showing and serving in our communities how real Jesus Christ is, that we are beneficial as a Christ follower to our communities, to our workplaces, to our schools, to our unis, to our churches, and to our families. You see, this is the privilege bestowed upon us by the head of the church, Jesus Christ, enabled by the power of the church, the Holy Spirit, governed by the authority of the church, the word of God, for the service of the church, evangelism, through which we and our function at the church might be able to serve, or as the core value states, to minister for the glory of God. But that all starts with how our perspective needs to change and understand what our privileged call really is so that we might fulfill that purposeful cause that God has bestowed upon us. That starts with you. It starts with each of us. And what better time to demonstrate this service than right now? That as we look around our community today, when you see people complaining about the lockdown, when you see all the hardships and the fear that are going on in people's lives and people's minds and the people's hearts, what better way to have this become a reality than right now? Because as Acts 17.28 states, it is praise that we give our God in whom we live and move and have our being it is in him that we're able to accomplish these things. So, brothers and sisters, that is my charge for you today. That you and I will have a perspective change to understand that privilege call 
and then in turn fulfill that purposeful cause for the glory of God as a church and as individuals. Ball's in your court. So I want to just ask Pam to play in the background. I'm not going um, to sing a song. We're just going to close in prayer. Uh, I do believe we have a Zoom chat as well, which will be in the GCC announcements wall. Um, you, I mean, you don't have to. It would be great to just sort of catch up. You can discuss what we talked about here today, um, even if it's just to catch up and see how everybody's going. I would just encourage you just, just to let us know, just to let us know how you are. And if there's anything you need, please let us know. I do know we've got toilet paper here. So if you need toilet paper, let us know. We'll come around and we can do a toilet paper drop-off if we need to. Um, so with that, if you'd just like to bow your heads, we'll close in prayer, and then we'll call that a day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the privilege that you have granted to us, not only to be called your child, not only the fact that we can call you Abba, Father, but the fact also that you have equipped us and bestowed so much upon us that we can serve you and bring glory to your name. I pray that you will help each one of us as individuals and you will help us as a church, that we will have our perspective changed that we will view this opportunity to serve as a privilege bestowed, not as an entitlement that is earned. We thank you so much for the grace that you've bestowed upon us that we can not only be heard by you, but also to serve you as well. I pray, Lord, that you'll give us an understanding of the privilege and calling that you've granted us, that we don't have to hold to a title that you've called each of us and equipped each of us to play a part, to, to pastor a person alongside of us, to, to instruct a person, to encourage a person, to pray for them, to bless them as we invest into each other's lives. We thank you for such a privileged position that you've granted us there. And we thank you so much for the cause that we might be built up for your glory, that we all be unified in our purpose, unified in our goal, unified in our love for you and in our love for each other. Father, I pray that you will help us to fulfill these calls in our lives. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. I pray that the eyes of our heart might be enlightened so that we may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And I pray that we might come to know the immeasurable greatness of your power toward us who believe according to the mighty working of your strength in each of our lives. Please have your way with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.